Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. And now let us continue with worship uh, with the first scripture reading coming from Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that has been set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading today is from the 13th chapter of Luke, beginning at the 10th verse, where Jesus heals the woman that has been bent over for 18 years. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. The word of the Lord. Cripple. It's one of those words that we have put to the outskirts of our vocabulary, judging it to be politically incorrect. There was a time when there were crippled children's hospitals, when it was perfectly okay to refer to a child or a human being as crippled, but that time is no longer. We are now disabled or challenged or disadvantaged. We just don't hear or say the word cripple very often. In fact, as I was writing this sermon, I found it difficult to say that word and not feel as though I was somehow being pejorative of a group of people. But realistically, we all have things that cripple us, and cripple is a perfectly good word in certain situations. The pain of arthritis can be brutal, and it is also referred to as being crippling. I broke my ankle in January, and believe me, I felt and was crippled. There are other physical conditions that can cripple our bodies. Bad backs, bad knees, bad eyes, that pesky hearing loss that comes as we grow older. 
There are also things that cripple us emotionally. The death of a child, the death of a spouse, the death of a parent or any loved one, verbal abuse from someone who has authority in our lives, a car accident that leaves us maybe physically unharmed but emotionally crippled, fearful every time we get behind the wheel again, witnessing horrific events. All of these things can leave us emotionally crippled. We have been bombarded with a picture of a little boy from Syria this week. And some of us have felt emotional crippling from seeing that picture. But it is that child and the tens of thousands like him in Syria that are being not only physically crippled, but emotionally crippled by the situation in which they live every single day. There are also things that leave us spiritually crippled. Sometimes a sermon we hear can leave us crippled. I have heard a number of people question some of the things they have heard from the pulpit and feel as though it is shaking their faith or crippling their belief in some way. It can be the doctrine with which we are raised in a church that cripples us. Other times it's an understanding of God that no longer fits what is happening in our lives that leaves us spiritually crippled. We can be spiritually crippled by another's understanding of Scripture. And we can be spiritually crippled when we are going through a difficult time in our lives and feel as though God has utterly abandoned us. The word cripple can certainly carry negative overtones. When we feel crippled by life or by faith or by emotions or by our physical bodies, as the woman on the screen, we do feel negative. And the reality is that we are crippled, broken, bent over in half at times as individuals and also as a church, as a faith community. In those moments when we feel disadvantaged or disabled or challenged, when we are crippled, we may also feel judged. We may feel left out. We may feel as though the whole world is against us. We may feel beaten down. That's how she felt that day she entered the church. She was tired. She was alone. Everything hurt. She sat in the back of the church, the very back. That wasn't because of her posture necessarily. The women were only allowed to sit in the back. Sitting in the back of the church didn't bother her. It was the way everyone ignored her. It was even more than just being ignored. They intentionally looked away from her as though they couldn't bear the sight of her. She had been crippled for 18 years, leaning forward, and still, still, the same people day in and day out looked away. You'd think they'd get used to it. The other women never spoke to her. They, sh they thought she couldn't see them whispering 
among themselves, but she still had her peripheral vision. She was pretty good at seeing things from a slant. I've known a lot of women and men that become bent over as they age, whether from osteoporosis or from horrible back pain. In schools, they check our children for scoliosis so that it can be corrected at an early age so they'll grow up straight and tall. They don't bend over and twist. Sometimes back braces are used as an intervention, and other times it's surgery. But we place a high value on being able to stand up straight. How many of you who have children have said to your children, now when you say hello, look them in the eye? Women in India are bent over permanently from years of working in the fields with heavy loads on their back. In the fields of India, it, it is mostly women who are doing the work. 85% in the fields are women because the men have gone to the cities to get better jobs. Some women choose not to straighten up again because it is just too hard and they'll be bent over to harvest or plant. Others simply come to a day when they can stand up, so they use canes, but their canes look a little different than ours do. In less developed countries where manual planting, sowing, and weeding are the norm, bending over and staying that way is also the norm. And one of the reasons that our organic food costs us more is because much of the work is done manually. In this picture, the young men are picking beans that will be sold at a farmer's market. They spend at least six hours every day bent over to pick those beans. So the next time you go to a farmer's market and buy beans that are locally grown or uh, harvest by hand, a small farm operation, remember the work that has gone into that. Nobody knows really why the woman in the back of the church is so bent over. It started gradually when she was young, and here she is 18 years later, and she can't look in a mirror or look a conversation partner in the eye. She can't reach to any top shelf. When she shops, she has to grab blindly at jars and bring them under her so she can read the labels on them. She has just a few blouses in her closet, and they all look the same because she can't stand up straight to go through her clothes to figure out what to wear and what goes together. She never married. Who would want a crippled woman? She can't bear children. This morning, she has entered the holy place to hear the teaching of this new rabbi, Jesus. So she sits quietly, a cushion at her back, to provide as much comfort as possible. As usual, no one speaks to her. And then she hears the man, the man others are calling rabbi, Jesus. She hears the man at the front say, woman. He calls again, woman. 
and someone puts a sharp elbow in her ribs and hisses to her, he's calling you. She makes her way toward him in her halting manner, feeling rather than seeing the eyes of the others on her. She hears the murmurs too. Oh, why did he call to her? Why did he call her out like that? What's going to happen now? I, I hope she isn't contagious, the people around her thought. The woman says nothing as she walks to the front. Walking takes so much effort, and she really has nothing at all to say. She has no idea why this great teacher called her out unless it is to point out her condition, her uncleanness, her poverty of spirit and body. As she approaches Jesus, he says the most unusual thing to her. Woman, you are free. And after he says that, he touches her, and suddenly she stands up straight. And she looks him in the eye, and without hesitation, she begins to praise the Lord. She praises God, and the woman now knows beyond any doubt what it means to be a benefactor of the unlimited, unending grace of God, because she did not ask for this healing. She was not looking for this healing. She simply received healing. And in the moment of healing, she received freedom. Freedom from all that oppressed her, from the things that were holding her back. Freedom from being a subject of ridicule. Free now to be a full participant in society. And she knows, she knows that she is a daughter of Abraham, a child of God, for the first time in a long time. She hears her name called Daughter, Daughter of Abraham. She can go and get water in the morning now with the other women. She can enter their conversation circles and talk with them. Perhaps she'll be married. Maybe she will be able to earn a living beyond begging. She doesn't know what the next minute will hold for her, but right now, she knows she is straight, and she is strong, and she belongs. She belongs to God and God's community. And so she rejoices. Now everyone in the church is not happy. They never are, are they? The moderator of the session is quite unhappy. He keeps the rules, you know, and, and he calls to the attention of Jesus and the others that there is a very important rule that has been violated. There is to be no work on the Sabbath, and is not healing considered work? If you want to be healed, come Monday through Saturday, but don't come to church on Sunday for your healing. Before we judge this man too harshly, we need to take a look at ourselves. And how many of us come every Sunday feeling healed, feeling like this is what we do to stay well, not necessarily to get well, and we look askance at others in our midst 
who we can identify as being in need of healing. Jesus chides the man and reminds him that God is sovereign. Jesus reminds all of us that sometimes it is important to deal with what is right in front of us and not let the rules dictate what we are going to do or not do. Sometimes we simply have to meet the need of the one that is present. Why should this woman suffer one more day when she has already suffered 18 years? And with that question, the paradigm shifts. We are no longer a community bound by law, crippled, in fact, by many of our rituals and traditions and laws, but all of us are set free set free by the grace and unmerited, unmerited favor of God. For none of us deserve it, but all of us receive it. Holding fast to our ideals, to our rules, to our written and unwritten social codes, when someone is hurting in front of us is quite simply wrong. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, not just on six days of the week, but every day. Or perhaps for us, not just on Sunday, but every day. It's hard work. I don't deny it. And I fall short frequently. But it's the work we're called to. Just like the people in that church who watched in awe as the woman straightened up and praised God, we are invited to sit straight and praise God, to stand up, and even, yes, even as Presbyterians, to raise our hands in the air once in a while. Never at the late service, though, only at the early service, please. Even more importantly, we are asked to help release others from their burdens, even the ugliest burdens we can imagine. Burdens of addiction, homelessness, mental illness. When we follow Jesus, we will break some rules. When we follow Jesus, we will learn to do things in new and different ways. When we follow Jesus, we will work for the unleashing of God's healing power in the world, in our own lives, in our own church, and in our larger community. We will work to end hunger, to end childhood poverty. We will work to end homeless. We will give voice to the voiceless and stand tall with those who are so bent over and we will do that so that God's reign can be seen in our church and in our community. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are healed. We are freed from all that cripples us. We are free to live in the unmerited and boundless grace of God so that being crippled no longer has an effect on us but we live and work and act 
in grace, in mercy, and in love. Always love. May it be so for you and for me. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.